Good morning and a happy Thursday to you folks. I wanted to talk today about a friend of mine who called yesterday and he was done with humanity. He said everyone is lying to him all the time. So I told him I agreed with him and that he was lying to himself. Well, if everybody was lying all the time, well, then certainly he must have been lying to himself. So I said you created an awareness on the issue. And the real issue was he was lying to himself. Now, as true as it is that others were lying to him, his awareness was the real truth here. Folks, you have to trust yourself before you can accept anyone else bringing you truth or lies into your world. Don't waste your time on things you cannot control. Focus on your truths, and the positive energy will not only generate from your awareness, but it'll become infectious too. And I mean infectious in a good way. Now let's have a kick-ass Thursday, huh? It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Hey folks, welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. He's back after traveling out of town. Wild Wednesday. His skin in the game business, as known as his day job. Yeah, my get-rich-quick scheme. So we had Sean Forbes, thank you very much, filling in yesterday, giving us some updates on events happening across Shale Play USA. We're going to get to those in just a moment or two because we have got more and more events coming to our calendar every single day. Thank you very much, folks, for being a part of the crude life. And what are we talking about here today? Okay, let's let's take a look. It's you ready? A busy Sterling? day already. Yeah, hit me, man. Let's rock. I know. I've been up since three a.m. So Ooh. it's it's not it's not fun to be me today. <laughs> All right, you ready for today's rundown? Let's take a look at what we got. Remember, we used to say menu. Or yeah, I was gonna say what's on the menu. What do we got on the... Let's set the table. There we go. Let's set the table. (laughs) It's more of a buffet with us. So we're going to actually have kind of a two-parter here. Today, we're going to talk with uh, Ashley McNamee, and she used to be with Whiting. Okay. Now, she's got a new gig, by the way, and I want to make sure that I pronounce this correctly because... It is something I do have to read. And it's an I acronym probably, right? It. Oh, no. No? Okay. Alvarez and Marcel. Okay. It's a M-A-R-S-A-L. Okay. So I was, I, that's the one that always trips me trips up. Trips me up, yeah. So, uh, but she's at ESG Services. She's the director. Okay. All right. And she came from Whiting. So she's like in charge of their energy area or she's the director of it. And so she's very much in tune with that. So we're going to interview her tomorrow on that. But she also is a woman. So we thought we'd talk to her a little bit about, you know, women in industry. Yeah. And so uh, it's actually kind of a two-part Part of the Women's History Month and the celebration of that. So we'll break that up. Uh, part one will be today. Part two, tomorrow. So she's in, she does environmental social governing. That's that's one of her gigs now? That is one of her gigs. God, actually, that's her really, full-time gig. Really, really curious then. Yeah, in fact, um, kind of, I don't know if she gets into this in the interview, but because we had the interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that um, she's been doing this for five years. Actually, since 2014, really, is kind of when she started. Because I met her in the Bakken, and uh, she was very much into a lot of the environmental stuff like I was. Mm -hmm. That's how her and I met. 
And so she had this kind of organic, natural progression to where now she's helping energy companies uh, devise ESG plans and get them ready so they, yep. they can get investors, yep. basically. Yep. At, the, at the end of the day, that's what they're looking for. So. Well, good for her, too. Smart for recognizing a developing market it, you know, market and getting into a position. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, and she used to be in television news, so she understands the media. We talk about that a little bit as well. Nice. Also, uh, the Williston Basin Petroleum Council, it looks like Harold Ham is going to be there. Harold Ham, Mr. Ham. This is the one to go to, folks. If you're looking for a conference in the Bakken in the Rocky Mountain region, this is going to be the one. They're, they're advertising like 30 CEOs, presidents that are going to be there. Wow. Yeah, I, I did notice this back in 2015 when the downturn started happening. Happening, I even wrote an article about this and got into a little bit of uh, trouble by some of the locals. A little tiff. Well, I noticed that um, none of the players were coming to the Bakken anymore. It was like a rare albino elk sighting, you know? <laughs> well, you remember before, I mean, th- those guys were in parades, Oh, man. man, it was like manna from heaven. Everything was just raining they, CEOs. They were like politicians yeah. kissing babies and yeah. shaking hands. Well, and then oil dropped down, you know, after $100 oil, you couldn't see them anywhere. Yeah. Um, so that this is maybe the first time that oh, many Oh, no, no, no. What okay. ended up happening is that... They basically got busy yeah. because uh, when $100 oil's going on, you just pay everybody to do everything. Right. <laughs> and then when $30 oil comes, well, now you got to go yeah. back and, you know, Pair scale down, back strategize and, and do yeah. work. And, you know, everybody's got to wear four hats for a while. And so it's it's not to say, you know, rare albino, rare albino elk sighting in a bad way. It's just that they had to go back to Houston, had to go right. back to Denver, had yeah. to go back to Oklahoma City, you know, wherever their, their main headquarters are. So... Uh, what ended up happening is ba- they basically picked, uh, it seemed like, and I still believe this, they pick one conference, you know, mm. and kind of go to. So it's sort and, of like the reunion, huh? <laughs> well, they just try to m- maximize their time yeah. and efforts and everyone else's time and efforts. Makes and min- sense. Minimize expenses. Yeah. So that way you don't have to go to 15 conferences. You can go to, you know, one. Right. And then the other ones, you can focus on your niche things. That nice. Okay, you might want to go to some pipeline one that's specifically pipelines. So this is like the Woodstock of the event this year. This huh? is the All Woodstock right. of the pocket. You bet it is, baby. That, in fact, I'm going to ask them <laughs> why that isn't their slogan. The Woodstock of the Bakken. <laughs> it almost makes too much sense. Yeah, I mean, the CEO of... Energy Transfer is going to be there. Okay. Uh, I mentioned Harold Ham as well, uh, CEO of uh, Crestwood. So there's a quite a, a list of players mm-hmm. and um, pawns, people like me, pawns. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So the players, the players are going to be there, and then the pawns <laughs> right. as well. I was trying to think what's another word for players, and uh, pawns came out because I was thinking a game, but yeah. anyway. So. There'd probably be some good food, some good socialization, some good swag maybe. There will be some excellent swag. In fact, what we're going to have at our booth, because we are going to be on the floor. On the floor. We're going to be on the floor. On the floor. Recording, uh, play hard, work hard. So, Sterling, if you're there. Got to be. It's in Bismarck, so you can probably come. I can probably make that. I think people would like to meet you. Yeah, I'm I'm scared now. I think you would be surprised how many people have been to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, actually, it's a small world, man. I, I run into people that have worked over there all over the place. Our uh, play hard interview on Friday mm-hmm. is with uh, WIC, Ray over at WIC. And 
he said India was his favorite place. He's worked in oil and gas for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about the amount of travels because that's one thing you mentioned about how, you know, a lot of your travel experience is due to oil and gas. Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. funded by that's for sure. That's what he said. He goes, he goes, yeah, as long as I'm not with this company anymore, I'll say it. But he goes, you know, we could only drive for eight hours a day. He goes, so I would drive eight hours a day and then I would golf for four. I'd have a set of golf clubs in my, cause he goes, you got eight hours of free time. Yeah. So I might as well golf for four of it. So it's like a safety regulation, probably only eight hours a day. Oh, that's been in trucking for a while. Is that well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. They've done that for a long time. It has to do with people falling asleep. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Totally, man. So, well, what else do we got? We got uh, the Bach and barbecue, of course, that's going to be coming up. We're going to be down in the Permian in June as well. So we're starting to uh, fill the calendar up with uh, the uh, play hard, work hard morning show going on the road live on location. We're going to be broadcasting from the Oilfield uh, Interna- Connections International, OCI, down in the Permian uh, Energy, down in the Shale Energy nice. Resources uh extravaganza they've, they've got like a week-long it's trade show stack summer man bach and barbecue of course uh first responders are going to be doing it this year and um you mentioned a story that you were checking out in cracked <laughs> this was oh. a, this t- tell me about this again uh you mean about the first uh elected w- woman mayor in that the united states yeah. yes yeah that was uh I found that interesting. It, you know, it was. It's uh, it's one of those things where you know it just shows up as a little uh, headline, but it got me interested. Well, it is Women's History Month, mm, absolutely. So this is probably a good story to end the month on. Apparently, she has the designation of being the first woman in the U.S. to be elected to mayor, but not the first woman to run for mayor. Okay, and win. So she actually didn't run. Really, she was. It was in eighteen eighty seven. And this what do you mean was, she didn't uh, run? Like a right? Okay, never Yeah, mind. she was uh, basically, this is uh, from Argonia, Kansas in 1887. Her election was a surprise because her name had been placed on a slate of candidates as a prank by a group of men against women in politics, hoping to secure a loss that would humiliate women and discourage them from running. Oh, my. Because candidates did not have to be made public before election day, Salter herself did not... No, she was on the ballot before the polls opened. When on election day itself, she agreed to accept office if elected. The Women's Christians Temperance Union abandoned its preferred candidate and the local Republican Party backed her. And she won with a two-thirds majority. (laughs) It's amazing. Her name was Susanna M. Salter. And she was in office just for a year. Uh, It's, you know, nothing really uh, spectacular, they say, in terms of uh, the mayorship, it, it was uneventful. It was, you know, she did the job, but it's just kind of interesting that it all started because of some douchey guys, some bros. I was going to say it started because of a joke. Huh? Yeah. You reap what you sow guys. Come on, man. Well, I'm glad that it, it turned out to be in a positive. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those ones where, you know, it's, it's, you almost had to go and look it up to make sure it was real. You know, there's a similar story. It's not about a female, but mm. We interviewed a guy a number of years ago, Terry Barton, okay, B-A-R-D-E-N, Barton. Zap, North Dakota, Zip to Zap. Zap. Do you remember Zip to Zap? I don't. I, I got to look up Zap, North Dakota. So Zip to Zap, you've heard of Kent State, of course, yes. the big events at Kent State. Well, Zip to Zap, the National Guard showed up. 
Why? It was like the Woodstock. Whoa, man. Okay. I never thought North Dakota got that crazy. And there was, oh, yeah, there was a big thing. And so, um, oh, yeah, the National Guard showed up. There was a zip to zap, man. And uh, Population is 237. And so all these people <laughs> were going to show up and party in zap North Dakota. Why not, man? Well, it was a, it was like a hundred years or some sort of a celebration okay. that was that was happening. So I interviewed uh, the mayor because it's out in the Bakken. Sure, yeah, they Mercer up, County. By, by the way, they ended up turning the uh, high school into a frack sand uh, storage facility. Can't With make, the kids still in, can't it? make it up. No, I think. Oh, okay, good. I think they moved the kids to the frack sand facility <laughs> because that was nicer. <laughs> so, less asbestos <laughs> less there. Asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway, so the mayor Terry Barton, he Zap. after after whatever 2016, uh, 12 or whatever <laughs> it was, he he didn't run, and someone else got the mayorship. Okay. Mm. Well, I ran into him at the. It must have been the 2018. It was the 2016 or 18 conference. And I said, hey, how you doing? Zip to zap, Mayor. What's going on? This and that. And, and I was telling him about this uh, write-in candidate, mm-hmm. getting back to the write-in yeah. here now. So I was telling him about this write-in candidate in like Michigan or something. Because whenever I see him, of course, he, he works in oil and gas, um, but also he was a mayor. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's pretty cool, right? Totally. Well, he looks at me and he goes, yeah, well, I'm mayor again. I go, what do you mean? You ran again? He goes, no. He goes, I was on vacation (laughs) and enough people wrote me in. I got a call from my daughter, said, dad, you won the mayor of Zap again. man. Can you imagine you go on vacation with your family to get away because it's... It's election time, doesn't want to do a politics. Polarizing all this crap. So everybody's like, bring back the old mayor, man. Oh, man. You know, that's that says something. If you're a write-in candidate and you win, then whoever was running has just got to be horrible. Absolutely. Frackleberry Hound does not like it when we talk politics. Yeah, she's pacing. She looks a little nervous. During the uh, play hard portion. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Frack. So that's, yeah, kind of a lot going on yeah, here. Lot, definitely. What else do we have going on? Let's see. Um, of course, we got the Bach and Barbecue I mentioned with the first responders. And uh, let's see, do you, Ramco Bratz, anything happening there? No, not too much. There's a reunion coming up uh, in September. It, it's been pushed back from June, and it's actually in my hometown of Tucson, Arizona. But uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it this time. Let's That's in see. May? No, it's in September. Oh, September. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, Which, I honestly, is a much nicer time to visit Tucson, Arizona than, say, June. We should do the show from there. That would be fun. We'll get a sponsor. Let's get a sponsor. And get uh, you know hotel for your wife and the kids and the family. And, and I we'll was go just down talking to a, a, a brat friend who's uh, head of the committee for doing that. She's basically in charge of the reunions. Or you know, find the out committee. the costs. Okay, find out the costs. That's even and an we'll option. Float it out there, and yep. I'm sure Sean Forbes would love to come down there too with her husband. And, yeah, why not? Man? And that way you can. It's at a nice resort. It's you know it's it's nothing super swanky. The rooms are anywhere from like 139 a night to several well, we hundred. I mean, we don't have to get into the business plan right <laughs> on the air here, but I mean, <laughs> no, I was just looking at it today, so it's in my head. But yeah, man, that, that that'll be cool. <laughs> Forty bucks per diem. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 30 miles from the airport. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, right, at 40 cents a mile. Uh, hey, I'm sorry, it's tax time in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, all that coming up plus more. Okay, we got ESG talk coming up. We got news still happening. We've got uh, North Dakota's giving out a billion dollars to entrepreneurs. You know, and the question is, 
and we'll talk about this in the next segment. Hopefully, uh, I can contain myself, but... Um, AC pretty I, excited. I'm really curious about if entrepreneurship is just like a thing now, like cooking. Like, do you... <laughs> I mean, is it no longer, you know, like a, a natural born skill? Right. Because we, we kind of joked about how you can take in college. So is that is that the way it is now? Is I that was not an entrepreneur was somebody who was doing something, you know, creating a business. Yeah. Right. But so you're going to school to create a business? I don't get it. Well, I don't get what the difference between that yeah. and business school is. Right. Yeah. And and so and Shaving off a billion dollars specifically for entrepreneurship is, is B, a bit with a B, with, with a, a B, B with a big B. Well, and then and of course this is with the legacy fund, and that that was supposed to go to a lot of other. I things. want a piece of that fat money cake. Yeah, it should be interesting. So, huh. all right, okay. folks, we'll be we'll back here. That more. Sterling, my name is Jason Spies. We'll see you in a few. I'm feeling alright. I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's man cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's man cave today. That's Kate's man cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
Yeah, let's rock and roll because it's Wednesday. It's hump day. I look at Sterling and I said, you ready? He said, let's rock and roll. I said, let's push record and rock and roll, baby. Here we are. Rage. Happy Whoa. Wednesday, everyone. It's been kind of a long week already. Isn't it been? A busy week. Your uh, skin in the game business has been picking up. Sure has. This time of year, people start buying houses. You know what I'm hearing, though, is that... What new, are you hearing? New home construction is going way down because the cost of lumber, lumber is shooting through the roof. Yeah, I, lumber is astronomical. Nails are getting a little bit higher. Yeah. The deck guys, I could hear them bitching three doors down. Yep. I think one guy left the job site over the, <laughs> over the price of lumber, man. Well, I've never heard the word lumber being said so much in an anger. Yeah, like whoever says wood in anger. Yeah, those guys down the street that are putting up a fence when I came here, man, that they better stake that stuff down tonight or it's gone. Oh, a couple of years ago when I was talking to the lumber guys, the, the deck guys, um, they're over in the cookie cutter neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. they have to put up four decks a day Ugh. for this. Okay. Yeah. But I did hear, speaking of new construction, because, you know, by the way, we need to keep our pulse on what's going on in the economy. Absolutely. Uh, I did hear uh, in a suburb of Fargo Moorhead known as Horace. Oh, yes. Okay. There's one gentleman who mm-hmm. does, uh, was it the dig work, the foundation excavating? Yeah. You know, the. What, what do you call the basements? Oh, it's it's when they're doing the foundation. Yeah. Okay, whoever is it an excavator? Would somebody, yeah, is that, somebody would that be like called? That, yeah, foundation professionals. Hundred twenty. He's got in the books for May. For May. Yeah. Okay. That that that's when you take. Yeah, we'll do the business. You bet. How are we going to do this? Doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll take it. How are we going to do it? That's when. You- <laughs> Good problem to have. We'll worry about it. So if I call a contractor right now, in all likelihood, I just get laughter on the. I'm other sure. End of the phone. <laughs> so it sounds like the new construction is taking off, but then there's a halt. Yeah. Yeah, it's really expensive right now if you want to build your own home. Okay. Sure. Yeah, because I've I've worked with a couple of clients that that was their plan. They were going to build, and then the cost of building materials shot through the roof over the last year. It looks like it's a problem of just a hell of a lot of demand and zero supply because of COVID. Now, I'm going to put on my, I don't even know, my snarky. Existential. No, 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 no. No, my my snarky journalist hat Uh and say, is this Suez Canal related? (laughs) Hey, that's over, man. Right, but there was five days of uh, memes and fun and yeah, yeah. I saw the headline, uh, who's going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. A couple billion dollars a day. Oh, we are, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, well, I mean, we are. The customer, the end user, we're the I ones mean, that get it. Is there is there going to be like profiles now of this particular sea boat captain? <laughs> is this is this river boat captain, the Suez Canal I hope captain? the guy's still alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm guessing he's going to have different employment soon. A very unusual show today. Okay, it's kind of an all over the board hump day, if you will, and and it has to do a little bit with the you know skin in the game business. And reason we're saying skin in the game business is because uh, there there's another change that we've noticed, and we're going to talk about in the next segment, which is we joked earlier last week or this week, I can't remember what day it was, about how in college you can take entrepreneurship as a course. Yeah, that's like a degree now. like cooking right like like welding <laughs> i'm just gonna take entrepreneurship okay surprised i don't just call it the youtube because program. apparently yeah. entrepreneurship is a nine to five job yeah 
So is that we, like getting a liberal arts degree? We, we were joking about it, how in, in my state, in my alma mater, North Dakota State University, right down the road at UND, the University of North Dakota, they actually have an entrepreneurship program, okay? And they did one of those um, um, fake Shark Tank things. I heard about that. Okay. Entrepreneurs so, coming, yeah, student the, entrepreneurs. I think the guy who's in charge of it, you know, he brought, brings the students on, and so they all they they have playtime. It's right. playtime. Mm-hmm. It's let, let's be honest here, folks. It it's it's like what you do with children, <laughs> right? Well, nobody wants. I mean, oh, lock them in a room. W- did they get a million dollars from Mark Cuban? No, probably not. Or or did they get like a ham? Did you ever watch Shark Tank? Did, did they get a gift brutal. certificate to, to Stuckey's? Right. You know, I mean, what, what did they get here? In all honesty, because if you go on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. you get exposure on a national television. So it's kind of like American Idol. Even if you don't win the top 10, you're getting a record contract. Yeah, somebody's going to so pick you up. If, if you're on Shark Tank on ABC, right? Mm-hmm. It's on ABC. I think so. Okay, odds are... You're probably going to get an investor, if not Mark Cuban, Barbara Corcoran, or the the guy who looks like he's from Microsoft. Is that Balmer, Steve Balmer? I'm not sure who that one is. Who's the bald guy? I'll have to look it up for you. Is his name Kevin? I think we could just guess all day. Okay. I think it's Bob. No, Irving? We'll just say the guy who's not Steve Ducey. There you go. (laughs) We'll just say that. The guy now known as not Steve Ducey. Well, that's kind of, anytime I don't know who someone is, I just say, oh, that's the guy who's not Steve Ducey. (laughs) Steve Ducey from Fox and Friends in the morning, just with the greatest Papa Deuce. I love him. Greatest name ever for television. Steve Ducey in the morning, exactly. (laughs) Honey, you watching the Ducey? Uh, no, I flushed, honey. Thank you. I mean, it works on so many levels. Yeah. Well, hey, every morning, Deuce and Deuce. (laughs) So, anywho, uh, Quattro at that point. And so, in North Dakota, they they passed some legislation now where they're gonna they're gonna like shave off a billion dollars, a billion dollars to go to these entrepreneurs. How do you shave off a billion dollars? Well, and so I mean, what gets, what loses money? Well, I, I don't know. I okay. mean, they're they're kind of defining it. So I did reach out to the state of North Dakota, and um, here's here's what I got. They is, actually responded. Uh, yeah, we'd be happy to talk next week. However, most of the requirements and timelines for implementation have not been hammered out yet. So my answers will probably be very vague. <laughs> At least he's honest about it. So that's why I'm not, that's why I'm not saying who I'm talking to. Right, but right. it is it sure. is a, it's a, a guy who's in charge of a state department, right? Who I'm talking about here. And um, is that odd? We're just going to allocate a billion dollars, but we don't know where it's going or how. So it's it's it sounds like it's directed towards these entrepreneur programs. Is that right? What, is that what the yeah, connection they're is? Gonna, they say they're going to invest in entrepreneurs. How much money have you gotten in your business? How long have you been a business owner in the state of North Dakota? Since the uh, 90s, right? Uh, well, here, no, about, about 12 years now. 12 years. Yeah. Okay. Have you gotten any money from the state? Like for <laughs> just, I think I get about 20 or $30 back from North Dakota in, in uh, taxes. Okay. Your refund, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, carton of smokes. Has anybody from the state reached out to you? No, although usually I take that as a good thing. But no, no one is, even okay, when, no, no. when all this PPE stuff is going on. Yep. Okay, how about uh, these agencies, uh, these uh, tourism trade offices, 
uh, quasi nonprofit local economic development, uh, the Economic Development Corporation. You've got the stimulus uh, downtown partnership. You've right. got the Let's Get Up and Go Fargo, the zip None code. So, I, and that's like just what twenty of them off the top of my head yeah, that I are. I know most of those exist. But actually. but these are actual organizations yeah. that are meant to empower businesses like yours and mine. So I haven't had any reach out to me either. In fact, many of them don't even respond back when we reach out to them for news. <laughs> so, I was going to say, to be fair, I don't think I've ever reached out to any of those organizations on my Oh, own. no, no, no. Their job is to reach out to you. Okay. Okay. Especially in times of crisis. Now, they also, their job is to respond to people mm -hmm. like me. Yeah, the one information. But, no, I'm just curious, you know, just as, as a, you know, a... Um, Regular business, you you're, yours, you're you're in the real estate business essentially. Yeah, and just curious to know, you know, if um, they've reached out to you in 10, no, 10, 12 years. No, and in fact, we've had know, three recessions. Yeah, I mean, when I moved up here, we were in boom times here. You okay, know, but the rest of the country was in some pretty sorry state. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, none of that. None of that. And I, as I understand it, North Dakota actually has a lot of organizations geared towards that. But I'm really curious. A billion dollars, even it, even if you turn around and tell me you're putting that into the university, I'm still a little uncomfortable because university's a business too, right? Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Oh no, I've been yeah. I, I've been going nuts since uh, well, 2001 was it where we lost a um, it was 2001 2002 I forget the year, but uh, publishing I was in at the time publishing mm -hmm. okay back when you could still publish paper ba stuff ba back when uh, right magazines Caveman printing yeah. magazines were a thing and we lost a pretty big contract to a bank mm -hmm. okay to a bank and it was a um, it was our back page mm -hmm. okay so it was it was like a 30 40 substantial yeah 30 40,000 dollars it was it was a person's salary let's just put it that yeah. way okay that's like an anchor ad oh to, with yeah. A, oh yeah it is and well back in publishing the thing was is that if you can get your inside cover your inside back cover and your back cover paid for that kind of took care of your bills and everything else was so gravy. everything else was kind of yeah it was kind of your operating cash yeah. but at least if you well because you got to remember you had to pay the printer yeah so you had to fork over a $50,000 check before you could get your next issue. Yeah. Okay. So there was a time where the, the town of Fargo essentially owed me over $200,000. And here the printer's saying, where's our thirty forty thousand? And I'm saying, I'm, I'm tired of eating crackers this week. Oh, man. You know, I mean, this was normal back in, back in the day. And we didn't have any bailouts. We didn't have anybody. We didn't have the 15 different economic stimulus organizations to funnel money towards us. No, we, we had to go out and figure out skin in the game, how it's going to work, well, right? It's not so but like, getting back to this bank that we lost as a yeah. client was because the city of Fargo got in the bus wrapping business, okay? Okay. So that's when they decided they're going to wrap buses. So instead of magazines. So instead, well, they had to shift their marketing dollar from yeah. somewhere because yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. which I hate saying, mm -hmm. but in business you have to. Whether you wrap a bus or you take out a back page in a magazine, it's a marketing budget. Mm -hmm. It's a line item, right? Yep. So we lost a lot of money to the scoreboards at high schools. We lost a lot of money to uh, whatever new school 
event happened. We had principals going out and selling advertisements against us. We had school school kids trying to sell advertisements, of course, here in Fargo. We've right. had, um, you know, how do you compete with that? Nah, you so can't. you have to reinvent your business and have to reinvent your business. In the meantime, you know, you have the same usual suspects getting bailed out now mm-hmm. as these bailouts have happened from 2009, 2014, 15, and now the COVID ones, okay, because 2001 and two, there wasn't too many bailouts actually then. I don't think so. But that no. 2009, the, the, rece- the start of the recession, the Great Recession, that was definitely... Oh, that killed me because um, we invested uh, over a quarter million dollars in the internet and didn't even get back five bucks. Oh, well, there wasn't anybody paying for ads. Yeah. So no, no but I mean, look at it right now. Newspapers are still going out of business because of that, yeah. that paradigm shift that happened there. So, oh yeah, we lost our ass. But Verizon did okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the big, usual the, suspect. Yeah, the two big to fail companies exactly. did fine. Yep. And the ones who had access and were in that, I think they called it a vertical or a partner channel. Okay. If you were in that vertical or partner channel, you were taken care of in the trickle-down economy. If you weren't, <laughs> good luck. All I know is that for most... Go, indeed, go, go be the tugboat. Exactly. As there's the big <laughs> plug in the Suez Canal. No, man. So it, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, is that, you know, as, as a private business owner in North Dakota, I'm not even visible on their radar, except when they want to hit me up every year for 250 bucks to renew my license. So my question is, existential energy here, mm-hmm. because you know I don't want to turn this into, let's just sit at the bar stool and bitch session while we drink <laughs> our coffee, uh, is that is entrepreneurship now just a major, like, you know, uh, um, medicine or like law or like um, welding or... Well, for me, I guess I'm just like, do you know what I mean? do so, you have business schools? What's the difference? That's what I mean. So is it just another form of business school to where now we have to actually put subsidy money aside mm-hmm. for those people that we are directing to go to a four-year university to get a, a degree in entrepreneurship. Which, which sounds to me like learning how to be an influencer. How can, right. Learning how to be a brand. So it's yeah. it's a very, it's a, it, to me, this is getting in the sticky wicket category again. Well, it just, you know, it, it, it's, it just boils my bro- blood, man. When you start thinking about the fact that this is our money, right? And it just kind of gets funneled back and forth between these, you know, several different organizations. You know, that, that upper crust, that always gets it. The good old boy system. When I knew the, um, when I knew locally here mm-hmm. that the establishment and the you know the, the usual suspects that are in power were out of touch was when um, this uh, the, their their one chosen uh, entrepreneur who's never had a business that gets keeps getting funded every year. Well, his funding ran out. And he knew it or something like that. And so in front of the economic development people, which I believe is public record, so anybody can go look yeah, at I think it, but so, yeah. is he actually said um, the money should go to Joe Burgum, who's the governor's son. <laughs> and so that's when I knew that, that that's when I knew it, it had nothing to do with helping yeah. people anymore. This was just about 
keeping it within a network of people mm-hmm. because these are the chosen ones that know how to do business and their ideas are better than everyone else's yeah. because that's actually in all honesty nothing against him actually he's he's a he's a true entrepreneur he's putting his money out there mm-hmm. uh joe bergen oh, is. i got oh i got no problem okay. with him no absolutely not. he's he's failing on his own Okay. No, he is. But no, I get your point. It's like, why start with that guy? He right. doesn't need it. That's exact out of anybody. Well, because when he did the farmer's market, uh, Microsoft is one of his sponsors. It takes you a year to get a proposal in front of Microsoft. To be a sponsor. So somebody who's got the stroke mm-hmm. to get Microsoft on a local farmer's market does not need economic development help. No. And that's where I think the disconnect is, yeah. is that we're not talking shit about a guy around town. No, actually, we're trying to say, he's good. Yeah, he's fine. He should be the one actually helping people out, not the one getting money. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when Rick Helling, the pitcher for the Florida Marlins and the Texas Rangers, he's a North Dakota boy, Mm -hmm. okay? And we would have him on all the time. And he won a a World Series with the Florida Marlins, but he signed a big $45 million contract. I want to say like seven years, $45 million. And this was back in the 90s. It was a big deal back then. That's some walking around money. He said that when he was playing in the minor leagues, he didn't even make five bucks a day. And there was I saw Bull Durham. And there wasn't rough, anybody, anybody that would pick up a check. Nobody would give him the time of day. Nothing. Dive bar. Nothing. As soon as he signed his big contract, there wasn't a check he could pick up. Strangers were buying drinks for him. Right. They get get goodie bags everywhere they go. He goes, Jason, he goes, at a time when I needed help the most, nobody would help me. Nobody would give me the time of day. And at a time when I didn't need any help, when I should be helping others, nobody would take my help. Everybody wanted to help me. He goes, it's really backwards. You know, I mean, there's always the haves and the haves not, you know, but I wonder somebody like Joe Burgum, you know, somebody that's and not him specifically, but somebody who's got name recognition and has got their own capital investment and clearly has connections that network help them be able to talk to Microsoft. Do they ever say, you know what, this isn't I don't need this. And again, this is nothing against Joe actually at all. Do you remember? What, you remember when? It's just the, that this is our backyard, so it's. Well, you remember when COVID was in full swing, the lockdown was here, and we were checking out Fargo Marketplace for food options. Remember some of the food stuff that we yeah, saw. Yeah, I do. Right? Um, whether you liked it or not, that was people desperate to make some money. Oh, totally was. You know, I know they were selling like tamales and uh, basically baklava. a plate of food. You showed up at their door and they gave you a plate of food. You know, I mean that type of stuff. That that's born out of desperation, but I bet you a lot of those people too, they would start a restaurant if they could. They mm-hmm. would they, they that's part of the dream. You if know? they had an opportunity. Absolutely. If they had an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, that's that's one thing that is kind of difficult, you know, but I it goes back to me, it goes back to this that is entrepreneurship now just a major in college now and that's all it is to where it's now the marketplace is so managed that this is kind of the compromise was this the compromise that was made see i want to see a course list to see what it is that actually defines it as entrepreneur versus just a business management course you know i mean what's are they teaching you how to talk to silicon valley people how to talk to people like mark cuban you know is that part of the I don't know. When I went through the little game that they had, they basically just gave me a list of preferred customers to go spend money with. 
Seriously, really? that that's really that yeah. It. It, that's about it, and that's where I go back to. It's it just seemed like a way to promote a vertical or a partner channel yeah. of specific companies that either are you know well you know part of the system or trying is, to be. It's a closed loop, right? They like to within their vertical and their division. They like to be able to do that. We're in an open loop system where if we can get assistance, we will progress and actually help our own little group, right? I mean, 85% of our firefighters are volunteers still. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would a billion dollars do for firefighters in the state? Right, exactly. I mean, what, do, does, does all of our firefighters have jaws of life? I liked your idea off air. How about $100,000 for small business owners or people that either have a small business or have been trying to start a small business and secure funding. People that have been far enough in the <laughs> process that it's not just a, oh yeah, I'll take a hundred thousand. I'll figure it out. But you know, somebody who's got a dream, but they don't have the money. How many of those could you hand out? I'm not good with math. hundred thousand dollars out of a billion, a lot. <laughs> Another great idea I've heard people complain about when it comes to subsidies and this and that is that people should be cut off Yeah. after a certain amount. I mean, you get cut off of all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. So why not cut off on that? But so, but getting back to the managed entrepreneur, and I wonder if entrepreneurs change because take a look at uh, Bezos. Bezos was a very managed entrepreneur, a very subsidized, mm-hmm. had a lot of investors, very controlled, um, you know, very, very much. Okay, Musk, same thing. Even a lot of their current investments that they do in other projects now, it's not their money in there anymore. No. It's a giant government subsidy backed by a bank with the rich person's name. Well, you and I are old enough to remember the dot-com burst. Yeah. I mean, that was just stupid amounts of money. If you came up with an idea and you were savvy enough to actually have a website, you could get $100 million in investment. What do you do? Not sure yet. We'll figure it out. Bill Gates, uh, he's doing some, I think, some nuclear fission. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the reason he's doing that is because it's backed by grants from the government. He's getting like... 84 million here, 64 million here, you know, that sort of thing. Well, this is, it's quid pro quo. Yeah, that's all is. it is. It's yeah. just, it's part of the game now. And so if that's the way it is, then that's the way. And again, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying if this is the new normal, then people should just be aware. See, I think what we need as a, as a philosophy going forward is that when the people that don't have get to have, they don't want to let anybody else in. Right? When you have power, when you have resources, you tend to not want to share with other people. So I'd like to see an actual progression where you make some progress, you turn around, and you help the next person up. Take a brief- why I'm not rich. <laughs> We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. More of the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. 
The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000, when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Well, you're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. You're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. And we're going to do some news here in just a moment. But man, I feel like I'm just out of it today. I got up at 3, and I think I'm only on a couple hours of sleep. And Oh, man, we've had 30-degree days, 60-degree days, 20-degree days, all in the last couple of days. I saw my neighbor's <laughs> cat blow by yesterday. Jeez, like 50-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah, it was brutal, man. I was I was getting ready to get up on a roof yesterday, and nope, not happening. My patio furniture ended up in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just unbelievable. It's like I was in Casper or, or just Oklahoma. Yeah, watch out, Dorothy. No kidding. <laughs> All right, let's do some news here. Let's see. News, rumors, and news speak. Let's get the sounder going. Beep, 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 beep. So this is uh, from Ron Dugan, Dungan, sorry, and this is from the uh, KGZZ.org, talking about the Interior Department hearing diverse viewpoints on oil and gas policy at a virtual meeting. Oh. So... Uh, if you remember, and I think we talked about this last week or so, the Department of Interior has called for a 60-day halt, I think it is, uh, on all new leases on public lands while it evaluates energy policy. So uh, the Department of Interior received input on its oil and gas policy last week in a virtual meeting when it heard from a variety of sources. One participant recalled that in 2016, an exploding oil well in New Mexico forced about 50 residents in the Chaco Canyon area to evacuate. Many of the residents in the area are Navajo, and they've been fighting the impacts of oil and gas drilling for years. They say the Bureau of Land Management has not been responsive. 
Panelists from Alaska to New Mexico said the department needs to improve tribal consultation. So, Where's this uh, out of? This is... Uh, I'm not actually familiar with the source. It just came up looking at some of the news here. Yeah. What, what brought my attention to it was the uh, you know Department of Interior because we've been talking a lot about what's been going on in New Mexico. Well, I got a lot from um, the petroleum councils the different states you know yeah that got ignored remember we had that press yeah. release by the joint uh 10 12 of them they yep. all got ignored by this meeting and so here this is a a person saying that the interior department heard diverse viewpoints <laughs> so this is going against the opposite of what they're trying to say do you see what i mean so yeah. some people within the oil and gas industry like 12 12, 13 of these councils that are representing hundreds of companies mm -hmm. are saying, we got ignored. We didn't even get a, a second, you yeah. know, to, to, they said next. Well, and, you know, they... And, and, but the story is saying something different, and I found it here. It's, uh, so it's kjzz.org, but it's... Cages. It looks like it's a, it's a media, it's a, it's a radio station, yeah. but it's a, it's a regurgitation is all it is. It's just... Um, Somebody's regurgitating an AP press and that sort of stuff. So I'm looking at it, and there's nothing um, not news about it. You know, it's no, for me, I was hoping to find some more information because you've, you've got, right after this even started getting bandied about in January, they were already starting to give uh, certain tribal communities you know, basically a, a pass. They were, they were given a disclaimer or a, you know, they, could, they could still continue to, to do oil and gas so I was just kind of curious where that stands right now. Yeah, it's interesting, though, that they didn't mention anything about no. all these different organizations that well, got I ignored. Been able to, I haven't been able to find anything out about which organizations specifically are being included. That's I the thing. I suppose, you know, if we wanted to, we could go take a look and pull up the meeting and I imagine they're probably available. It's we might even be able to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you well, know me, dude. I like to binge watch C-SPAN. I'll check it out. I know. We got... <laughs> So that's interesting. Okay, so apparently some people got their voice heard, but quite a few didn't. Quite a few didn't, but um, this story doesn't say anything about the people that didn't. So um, anyway. Well, yeah, and you know, that's, I, that's the bummer, man. And in places like New Mexico where you've got, I think we, we read somewhere of uh, you know, 60 to 70% of the public education and, and uh, infrastructure is basically funded by the oil and gas contracts on public lands there. What's Earthworks? Earthworks. Earthworks. They were quoted in this story. So, like W R R K or W. -R -R well, I'm going to look it up here quick. Let's see what this Earthworks is here. So, Earthworks stands for Clean Air Water. Oh, okay. I see. They're protected. So it's a little bit of a political job here. So, <laughs> well, because you know, basically, they're saying that. Um, Here's view, diverse viewpoints on oil and gas, okay? But the only person they're citing in the story is somebody from the environmental activism side. So um, I get it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the safe, for the media, it's the safe way to go. Yeah. And this is, this is coming from KJAZ. So or KJZZ. Yeah, I, I keep so I'm, I'm pretty sure KJazz wants to just go with the safe soccer mom. Keep it smooth, baby. Keep it smooth, keep it smooth. baby. <laughs> so let's just let's just cat on and groove on to the next story, man. 
<laughs> All right. Well, this one is kind of like this is like man, it's like Get the, the beginning of uh, out of here. It's the beginning of a Terminator takeover. Robots could replace hundreds of thousands of oil and gas jobs by 2030. They've, this comes from oilprice.com. Blackjack dealers, right? Have you seen these blackjack dealers that are robots? No, they're just video screens. Okay, and it's of busty women with cleavage. Well, what else do you need? I guess and they've got all shapes, or they got all different not shapes. They've got one shape, but they're different: blonde, brunette, right. African American, okay. Asian. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And so. It's interesting. Dude, the robots, they're coming for us, man. Well, it's like you've talked about. It's like we're flipping the script. It's the robots are doing that, and we're back to doing... We're doing the job of a sign. Yeah. You got you got the guy holding the little Caesars tax, spinning the sign, gold cash for gold. Yeah. But, you know, a pole can do that job. Well, I read that uh, Starbucks and McDonald's are starting a pilot program where they're going to do basically like a totally AI-driven ordering system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so when the COVID-19 downturn has finally passed us, operators will have to continue exploring new avenues for cost reductions to be better equipped to withstand future market declines. And a report that looked into the adoption of robotics across the petroleum industry, Rystad Energy found that existing solutions could replace hundreds of thousands of, of jobs in the oil and gas community globally and reduce drilling labor costs by several billion dollars by 2030 if there is an industry push for such a transition. This shouldn't come as a Yikes. shock. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, it's all about automation and, and technology so, improving. Not only has it been happening in agriculture, mm-hmm. but it already happened in coal. So I go back to this. Look at coal. Look at that as, as a way for the future of oil and gas when it comes to regulation, when it comes to actual robotics. Because what do they say? Like uh, the average coal mine, you know, mountain or whatever, they used to have like 30 people and now it's down to six because mm-hmm. of so much so much automation and robotics. Yeah. So that's happening in oil and gas on a lot of different levels. And in some cases, that's good because of the safety factor. Okay, yeah. so um, there, there's a shift happening and we've heard this not... Uh, uh, there's that word, transition. Yeah, a lot. But, well, the transition this is, is the, year of the transition. $15 an hour jobs. That's yeah. what people aren't That's, liking. You That's, could make the connection that the reason they're pushing so hard for that federal bump is because they know this is all starting to collapse. So when I take a look at, really, if we should get Sam Waterstein robot insurance... <laughs> are, are we there yet? We might be. Is that who it is? Sam Waterstein's so. yeah. robot insurance <laughs> is, um, you know, the next wave, by the way, that they're having serious discussions for outside of oil and gas is, and, and farming for automation is bus drivers, taxis, and uh, truck drivers. Yeah, I've heard the truck driving. So when you think about they're they're looking at public transportation, Mm-hmm. as going AI, as going, you know, Uber as, as a, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Driveless cars? Yeah, yeah, driverless cars. Driver, self-driving driverless, cars. Self-driving, self-driving, there you go. That's, that's putting a lot of lives in the hand of nothing. So we're going to have this robot drive 20 people around, and it's supposed to be safer than a human. Right. Okay. Well, maybe if it's like Knight Rider, you know, and it's, you know. So you're looking at cashiers, so the self 
checkouts. That's technically a robot doing, doing yeah, the job. You're doing you're right. doing the labor. You're doing the labor, but it yep. is a robot at the end of the day. Absolutely. That that, that replaced a, a, a cashier. You see that uh, at big stores where it's just transitioning. Uh, the, the ATM is a robot that replaced the bank teller. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you this is happening in other industries too. Of course, you go to a storeroom, you go to a warehouse, you got robots, you know, Amazon. Have you ever seen the videos online where they've got uh, robots that are yeah. doing all the work in, in the Amazon uh, facilities? In prescription, that's a big one too mm-hmm. because there's so much opioid abuse and prescription drug abuse that they're wanting the robots to go in there because they can cut more precisely. You're taking away any sort of the the, the human. Yeah, I've seen these in pharmacies. I mean, they're yes. not basically they they sort they do all of the preparation of the medicine, and then it is just basically packaged in a bag for right. the pharmacist to bring to you. So then you've got, of course, analytics. Yeah. So you've got that whole game all the way from from you know oil and gas to sports. Yeah, to where you've got coaches actually just using analytics that's all robots dude mm-hmm. coming up with this information that used to be scouts yeah, right you know right. Now, now it's just some robot you know, right? I mean, it, it makes sense you see that we understand that technology is going to improve it's going to change things but there's one paragraph in this article that really stands out to me because it's being touted in this article they're writing it as this is a good thing okay So applying current supplier specs, which suggests that robotic drilling systems could potentially reduce the number of roughnecks required on a drilling rig by 20 to 30 percent. Rystead Energy estimates that such a reduction in both offshore and onshore drilling crews can bring cost savings of more than seven billion in wages in the U.S. alone based on present wage levels. So what an investor probably sees there is awesome. And what I see is $7 billion in wages lost and however many people that is completely shafted. Exactly. Just shafted. So yeah, man, that is, it's the change. I mean, when I knew the artificial, it makes me sick to my stomach. Right. When I, when I knew the artificial intelligence, Industry was getting a little bit too big, and we were getting into the Terminator world. Right. Okay, because we're getting close to the Terminator. Pretty soon, the robots are going to take us out Mm -hmm. because that's for our own good. It'll start at an Amazon distribution center. (laughs) It's for our own good, remember. Um, I might not. They might be right, man. Some rogue robot just It'll start a revolution. Mad at a customer service complaint, and he's just... (laughs) But is when I saw that uh, journalists and reporters were starting to get replaced by software. So when newsrooms started having robots replace journalists, mm-hmm. that's when I'm like, okay, everything is on the table I'll now. I'll tell you what, though. There's some jokes in that. I mean, because it's like they're already just sort of regurgitating automated machines in a lot of cases. Without a doubt. Right? And then so... so but you know, even like you know, bartenders are are you've got robotic bartenders and chefs now, restaurants that are that are robots, and and then I saw that stock trading. There's robot stock traders oh, yeah, as well. Postal workers are robots now. I mean, it's it's crazy. Robot well, and, and surgery. A lot of surgery yeah, is yeah. robotics. Yeah. In fact, I've read that uh, they've got some really precise like laser robots for doing heart surgery and things like that. And of course, the bomb squad, you probably want that to be a robot. So that, that's, that's probably one everybody can get behind. You know, I remember 
some of my favorite science fiction authors talked about how technology would eventually get to a place where so many things would be automated that most of us would be able to just hang out in a life of leisure, right? But what I'm seeing actually is is probably more likely is a couple of corporations that own all of it and the rest of us just picking up scraps. Kind of like with the uh, internet, if you disagree with uh, what Amazon says, they'll kick you off, <laughs> something like that. Well, that's the thing. They hold all the chips. They hold the high ground. For they the own it. For the server. They own yeah. it. So they can tell you to go hell or not. But yeah, that's that's disturbing on its own level. When I knew the robots were taking over. <laughs> Back in my all day. Right? Are you ready for this, folks? Yep. When I knew the robots were taking over is when I used to hang out at the bowling alley. And I heard somebody complain about back in the day when they used to have a human pin setter. Holy crap, you're and, right. And now the robots the took robot out the human. Took, can you imagine the my guy? My dad worked as a pin setter when he was like 12 or 13. Did he really? Yeah, he did in, in Detroit, Michigan. He he told me about this. Where yeah, I mean, and that you're right. That that's like that's a whole industry wiped out, man. Just wiped out, completely gone. The, it the probably pin setters was, unions, man. It was probably like paper boys. That was probably a job for a young kid actually yep. that they could do without getting killed by you know the the. But how did Johnny Cash's brother died by the big sawmill? Oh yeah, they were yeah. ten and twelve years old running the yeah big running sawmill, the mills you yeah know? or working in the coal mines yeah exactly. So yeah. they had these jobs that kids could do, like pin setting. Mm-hmm. Gone. Yeah. Sorry, sucker. Or that would have been like your retirement job. Instead of greeter at Walmart, you would have been pin setter guy sitting totally. back there on your stool. <laughs> or a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a bomb squad. Yeah, I mean, really. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, because there's going to be a lot of these guys out that's, of work. That's more the first job <laughs> for the... Put that punk ass kid and let him go do that. What do we got next for the All news? All right, so okay, this is uh, this is our fun segment here. Check this out. This is from uh, NBC News. Mafia, Italian mafia fugitive caught in Dominican Republic after police find YouTube cooking show. The alleged gangster's love for Italian cuisine and tattoo ink made his arrest possible, Italian police said. You had to be Italian. Had to be a stereotype, didn't you there, buddy? Yep. Not only were you mafia, (laughs) but you're the cook. He's... You're the Italian chef. Seven years on the run. Oh, my God. Seven years? He was tracked down through a YouTube cooking channel. He started with his wife. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his full name, but it starts with Mark. Mark? Okay. (laughs) Marco. Biart, I think. His love for Italian cuisine, that's what made it. <laughs> he hid his face through the videos, but he failed to disguise a distinctive giveaway, his body tattoos. <laughs> they believe he is a member of the notorious, not going to be able to pronounce this, but it's a crime syndicate. <laughs> How did he disguise his face on a YouTube video? Well, he's probably just, you know, like his hands or his chest that you would see. You know, just oh, like, sure. Okay. Just, but okay. even still, it's I like thought maybe it was like one of those Snapchat filters. If, like if you ever make a video, one of the most important things you want to consider is what's in the picture right. of the video. <laughs> I, I think that if you're on the run from the mafia, oh, you, you don't even have an email account. Right, he'd been living in the Dominican Republic for f- five years, and he'd keeping a low profile, kept his distance from the local Italian community. <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious! Wouldn't this be hilarious if this whole thing was just a stunt to get followers? Right. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's skyrocketed. <laughs> oh, right? totally, man! Now he's in jail. Oh man, <laughs> or he's dead. Yeah, he can he can teach you how to make like toilet wine, you know, <laughs> or a toothbrush shiv. 
Jeez. Shank sushi. <laughs> oh, so man. he's apparently a bad character here, and uh, they finally got him. But uh, you know what I love about this? It's not just the irony. It's not just the cliche stereotype of it. That's just funny. It's the fact that people nowadays cannot help themselves. They want to be famous. They want people to see them. That's exactly right. I mean, you can be on the run from the mafia and vanity is so powerful. It'll draw you to YouTube so that you can get, I mean, is this, is this vanity or is this crying out for help? Which one is this? Because it's, it's just got, we live in a day and age where you can walk into a bar now and some guy with some app that he downloads from Russia can find out who you are in a second. <laughs> right. Have you seen those apps, right? No, God, no. I've... Oh, John Oliver did a, did a piece on this, and this was like <sighs> Technology four, stuff scares the hell like out of me. like four years ago. Yeah, okay? the facial recognition and, and the hacking. And, it had yeah. to do with the Google glasses. Okay. And anyway, he had it on his phone, glad and of course, did, John glad Oliver. Glad those did not catch on. Ru- Russia promotes it as a way to find out who the girl in the bar is. Oh. Right. Sure. That's not creepy as hell. <laughs> Hello, I met you. I saw you at the bar. I took a picture. I found out your address. That's what I mean. He, so they were like mimicking these commercials of, of that. But oh, that's... Oh, man. That's, that's, isn't that creepy? That's yeah, very creepy. That's like stalker wear. I, I don't have a daughter. Uh-huh. So it's not hitting me like somebody who has a daughter. Yeah, but you're not raising a son to be like that. No, no. Russian? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> more of a Scandinavian type of upbringing. I'm tr- Ukrainian, man. I'm trying to get it. Oh, wait, that's Russian still. Isn't yeah, it? Dang but Ukrainian it. sounds tougher, though, right? A Romanian or something like that. Czechoslovakian. The Congo. Yeah. Went with the Congo. So. What were some of the. Uh, that, so that's the news story. Yeah, that's the news that's- story. <laughs> Apparently, if you got a damn good cannoli recipe, keep it to yourself, man. Keep your cannoli to yourself. And with that. We'd like to make sure that we mention Kate's Man Cave for all of your man cave needs. She got 20 different flowers in her hand. Yeah, all in and rubbed off on her dress. She works together, don't live to work. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Well, she wants to live a life and happiness nonstop. The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. 
leadership. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how it, we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Talk to me a little bit um, about your clientele. We got we had we do have a lot of our locals. They're loyal and, and regular, and but we have a lot of our RV park is full of guys with families back home that are up here working. Um, we had just last week, in fact, one Tuesday, we said we did not have a single woman customer all day, like at all. That and so it is. I mean, men and uh, a lot of them are you know that thirty to fifty age. I'd say that they're you know younger guys that alone. Alone, yeah, with their, it's... Uh, may or may not have a family back home. Right, most of them are sending money back home. They're just up here working and they're, you know, go home on their holidays or whatever. Do you find that those guys are out carousing and partying or are they pretty much go to work, go home, send money at the end of the month, end of the week, whatever it might be? That's what it is. There's such an, you know, it used to be that, you know, oil field guys, you'd think they're at the bar after work. The, which maybe we don't get the guys that go to the bar after work, but the guys that we get, they're, they come in here and they, they maybe they'll have a beer with their dinner, but they're not. They'll sit here, they'll play video games on their phone with my kids, or they'll, you know, talk sports with the older ones. And they, um, they got kids and family back home. And so our children being here, it's a family business. Our kids kind of fill that void of the, you know, everybody's got a kid, one of my kids' age. And so they, they kind of, but they're here, um, you know, visiting with the children or shooting baskets out back or they're not, you know, for the most part, I haven't seen a lot of wild, crazy carousing guys. Do you feel that your family and your establishment has become a surrogate family for many of these? That's exactly what it is. It's, it's really neat. Um, I never would have dreamed that when we opened. I thought the kids, it being a family business, the kids are here working and helping out. But they also know which guys have Angry Birds on their iPhone and they will run up and greet them with a hug and sit next to them at the bar and, you know, cover their phone with sticky little fingerprints playing Angry Birds. And these guys let them and they love it. And, and so they have kind of become like a family to us. So You've mentioned your kids several times. Uh, talk to me about how your kids are involved with your business. I have five children. They're 13, 11, 9, 6, and 4. And before we bought the cafe, we made it a family decision because we knew that this is going to be taking up a lot of time. And so we made sure everybody was on board and the kids all, you know, voted. One voted against it. And she reminds us of that. But she, <laughs> but everybody else voted in favor of it. And so they all take their turn, you know, um, waiting tables or doing dishes or helping with kitchen prep work and stuff. When we first opened, uh, the kids were the only waiters. I was a cook and but since then, our business has just boomed, and they, we can't keep up with just us. So we've hired a lot of help. And I was going to ask you, I noticed you had several uh, waitresses during the lunch shift here at the Farmer's Daughters Cafe in South Hart. 
Uh, how many staff do you have, or what was the max so far? If you started out with you and your kids running the place, how many at now? Right now we have 15 employees, one full-time, the rest are part-time. Um, we do, you know, families first, so we, a lot of ladies work, you know, one day a week or two sometimes. Um, they'll rotate around if they've got family coming up to visit or if they want to, you know, vacation somewhere. And so we have, I've been very lucky, I haven't had a hard time finding help or keeping them, so we're fortunate that way. Talk to me about April 22nd, 2012. Um, April 22nd, we, it was my daughter's first communion. Um, we were headed home after church, and uh, it was the one day in North Dakota there was no wind. So the county had just graded the road, um, and there was a lot of dust with oil field. We live north of town, and that's kind of the heart of the oil field country right there. And um, I met an oil field truck at the top of the road, or at the top of the hill, and um, was blinded by dust. And so as I was going down into the hill, you know, slowing down, there was a truck parked waiting for the dust to clear so he could turn. And I didn't see him. I was, you know, two feet away from him when the haze started to lower, and I could see that there was a tanker. And so I, you know, swerved for the ditch. Um, I ended up with, uh, I don't remember how many broken ribs. You know, my lung collapsed. I'm, you know, uh, broke my wrist, broke my shoulder, broke a vertebrae, my foot, my knee, my. Um, but my kids were all with me, and they were all relatively unscathed. There was minor injuries, so we were very lucky that way. So. And uh, what was the extent of uh, timing on that? Or what was the timing on that particular injury? You, this was after you bought the cafe? That was, yeah, we opened in February, so three months, you know, April. Um, it was that week that of my car accident was a crazy busy week. Um, we had so many people that people had just finally started hearing about us. And so we, you know, that was, I remember the night before the accident, was our busiest night ever and we had so many people from Dickinson saying oh I just this is our first time out here and you know we're so excited you exist and and so um you know did you have to close we did close we I was in a wheelchair for three months um when I was in the hospital for a, like 10 days or something and they said I'd have to spend three months in a nursing home and so we I spent 10 days um until my husband got my wheelchair ramp built to our house and then I we, I moved back home but um, it was, you know, we did close for the summer. We reopened in August and, you know, we were afraid. It, I mean, it, we were afraid it would kill business. I mean, you know, here we are. We put all the money into advertising up front and then closed for three months. So how long have you had you been opened? Um, it had been three months only. Three like, months. Three months we were open and then we closed for three. So during the busiest time. During the, the busiest, you know. Of was, the oil season. Yeah, it was. I mean, we missed, you know, all summer. It was August. We we closed, you know, we were averaging, I think, 70 people a day. And when we reopened in August, it was like 140 on a slow day. And it was just, I mean, you know, so we were like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. the, so. What was it like for the healthcare and the medical out here in Western North Dakota? You hear stories about uh, emergency response time. You hear stories about being so far away from medical facilities. Uh, what was your experiences being in a horrific accident in the oil patch? Um, you'll edit things out that are not appropriate, right? Or, okay. Um, I, for me personally, um, we, okay, so I hit this truck and my 11-year-old son is sitting up front. 
And a couple years ago, there was those DSU girls that had, you know, they crashed into a stock pond, and, and there was this talk about how instead of calling 911, they panicked and called friends. And so when that had come around, I had talked to the kids about the importance of, you know, if we're ever in an accident and I can't help, you know, call 911, don't call grandma. And so, um, and then we had talked about, you know, and if I'm pinned in the car or something, you know, you, you, know, you get the little kids out, you know. And, and uh, so anyways, I, I hit this truck, and before I can even come to completely, um, you know, I was kind of dazed. And my 11-year-old's up front, well, he was 10 at the time. And he's scrambling around, and I'm, I'm looking at him trying to figure out what he's doing, and he was searching for a cell phone. Well, my cell phone was shattered. It was in the cup holder. And, and so he tried to get out while the car, the frame had kind of, like, buckled up so he couldn't get out the back seat, and his door was um, crushed so he couldn't open his door. So he kicked his window out, and he jumped out, and he ran to stop this truck that I had hit. You know, he made his left-hand turn. and So he gets out in the ditch, and he ran in front of the truck, and he's waving and screaming and yelling, you know, stop, stop, mom's hurt, she needs help. Well, the truck stopped, but he wouldn't open his window or anything. And uh, he jumped up on the running board of the truck, and he was like, help, help, mom needs help, call 911. And the guy, like, turned his head away from him. So my son gets down, and I'm watching this, and I see this kid just dazed, like, what do I do now? And he come running back over, and he's, you know, in tears. And he said, I tried to get him to call 911, and he ignored me. And so I'm like, don't worry, don't worry, it's fine. Well, in the meantime, my older, he was 12, um, he, 12-year-old was getting the kids out of the car, um, at that, right at that moment, there was a crew of Patterson rig driller, you know, they were on rig move. And so these guys stopped, they saw the accident they seen. And so by the time they, you know, got up to us, then they, one called 911 right away. And, um, he, I heard him talking and he said, you know, there's five kids, the driver's dead, the, uh, you know, and, and so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I swear I just talked to the kids, but did you wonder if you were dead? I did. I was like. <laughs> I was thinking, well, God, I swear I was just talking to the kids. And then I thought, well, maybe it was like, you know, divine intervention. I wasn't really, you know. Um, so then I'm sitting there. Well, then I heard him say, I don't know where we are. We left Watford City this morning. So we're somewhere south of Watford. And I'm thinking, I'm screwed, you know. Well, then my 12-year-old said, we're north of South Hart. We're like three miles north. Well, then he told him that. And he said, I don't know. I don't see a street sign. Well, then I pointed and I said, there's a street sign right there. Well, the other guy said, you know, oh, the driver's not dead. But he didn't relay that into the phone. So when the ambulance crew, you know, the call that went out was that there was a driver was dead and that there was five kids injured. And so when the first ambulance pulled up, I, you know, they went for the kids. And then finally they were like, no, wait, she's not. But so um, but then they had to wait for the jaws of life to come. And so that was, you know, rural North Dakota. You yeah, know, they're they're volunteers. It was the rural fire department. So. You know, it was a good 20 minutes, half hour, you know, waiting for them to arrive. So you were pinned in your vehicle? I was pinned in my vehicle. And this Patterson crew, which they um, ended up on a rig south of Southard after we reopened. So I got to meet them and thank them for their help. Um, I should have connected that they were roughnecks. I was thinking truck drivers at the time. They didn't tell me. But this Patterson crew, um, they said, you know, I said, I'm stuck, you know. And, and they were like, I got a jack and a crowbar. We're going to get you out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear God, no, please leave me. And. And they, they uh, you know, they cut my seatbelt and they took the door off and, and then they were going to try. And the one said, I used to be an EMT. And I said, well, then you know not to touch me. And, and so then they were like, okay, we'll, we'll stop, you know, and because and, I was just like, no. And, but then they were great. They called, you know, my, my husband and some, if they called, we had a neighbor that lived close by that came and sat with the kids. And so they, I put them to work doing busy work, you know, and, and they, were, they laughed because they came back in. I, I was very calm. I mean, I, you know, I'm a mom. You stay calm in an emergency. And. They were freaking out, and I guess they told me afterwards that I, you know, told them 
shut the hell up, you're scaring my kids, sit there and be quiet. <laughs> if you, can, you know, and so then they, they were very helpful. My one son was um, knocked unconscious, and so they had carefully, you know, lifted him out of the car and took him out because we were in the middle of the road. And, and so they laid him in the ditch and, you know, until help came. So It's remarkable that uh, the kids were virtually... They really were. They, um, seatbelts, you know, the, yeah. the one that got knocked unconscious, he was in a booster seat and he had his arm above the seatbelt instead of, you know, under the the um, strap or whatever mm-hmm. on the booster seat and so you know he flew forward more than he would have um, my oldest one was in back he also had his arm over his seat belt he ended up with a bruised rib and a bruised lung but my 10 year old that you know kicked the window out he fell on his elbow when he got out and so they thought he broke it but it was just sprained mm-hmm. but that was his only injury and um, the girls just had seat belt injuries and so they were yeah and you had so many broken bones a collapsed I did, lung yeah. you ended up in a wheelchair i ended up in a wheelchair you know i was 10 days laying in a bed at st a's and um with a neck brace thing on because i you know broke part of the vertebrae and and then um you know it was you know that was about two and a half months in a wheelchair and then on crutches for mm-hmm. you know three months and it was a it was a long haul it was but you grew up here i did i'm born and raised south Hart. and here you got into an auto accident. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about uh, growing up, driving in this area, and driving now, and even now that you've been in an accident, what do you feel like when you're on those roads? Well, you know, honestly, um, I mean, growing up, obviously, I'm 33 years old, so the traffic, you know, if you met a car on your way home, it was, you know, the neighbor, and he knew you were coming, and, but it, uh, I mean, it's compared to now, when you're, you don't, I mean, it's rare to not meet three trucks in a mile, you know, it's totally different, um, it's, it's scary, I mean, I, I grew up south of South Hart, we actually, ironically, uh, there was talks about a coal mine going in south of town, and we, one of the things when we were, you know, we, the neighbors didn't want to see this happen, and when we were fighting it, we, uh, one of the things we brought up was this truck traffic and the dangers of the road, and so, ironically, I was the leader of this whole coal battle, and then here, you know, oil gets me, but, um, they, you know, the, the roads, I mean, it's, you know, there, you always had the dust, but it was somebody's tractor. You know, it wasn't like now where you, these, you know, 18 wheelers and, you know, they're going with some speed down the road and every wheel kicks up this huge cloud. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's dangerous. And I honestly, I mean, it's going to be a long time before I let my kids drive on those roads because mm-hmm. it's not the same as when we grew up. So exclusive interview, industry news, environmental innovation at the crudelife.com. with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomena. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful 
successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Today we talk with Ashley McNamee, Director of ESG Services for Alvarez and Marcel. Yeah, oil and gas has always been so unique. And one thing I do appreciate about it, although I do have a college degree, is it's still one of the industries and fields where I think how hard you work determines how well you do. So you are starting to see, actually over the last probably five to ten years, folks from really diverse backgrounds being brought into the industry. So whether it's a tech background or finance, or in my case, media and journalism, the diversity of knowledge that's come into the industry, I think is really is what helped change like significant parts of it. So for instance, when I left news to come join Whiting Petroleum back in 2014, the impetus for that was the ballot initiatives in Colorado that were trying to begin setbacks and sort of de facto regulations on the oil and gas industry. And the company's idea was to get someone from the media to do for industry what the media had been doing against it and so came into lighting and there really wasn't a lot of infrastructure in terms of internal and external communications community relations and then eventually what turned into esg so i guess to your point when it didn't exist it was pretty okay to come in and the leadership our ceo at the time jim volker was reminded and really let us run with it, build an entire department around those things. To listen to the full-length interview with Ashley McNamee, Director of ESG Services at Alvarez & Marcel, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember... Energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. 
It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today. Uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this is this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a sixth. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today, uh, and, and there's... It's our snowing here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't... I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I, I'm from Odessa, and that's a, a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that... that those uh, those materials and so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one heat our homes or two uh, have fuel for our vehicles um, with pipelines that doesn't really come into effect you know once the pipelines are laid not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B they are so far behind the curve on getting the storage the battery storage uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the gigawatts went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a on life support 
and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas, 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marseal, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave.